Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I'm so glad to see all of you here today. Thank you for being with us, and I hope that your Thanksgiving was wonderful. Uh, we had a great time out of my in-laws' house and got to spend a little time in the great city of Thackerville with some of my family up there and uh, Windstar Casino Country, <clears throat> and uh, got to eat a lot of food. And the Cowboys won. Yeah, overall, it was pretty good stuff, huh? Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Today, uh, as we entered into December now, and this time of year, which is a time of giving and joy, and I love Christmas time because there is a, a, a certain air of ease and peace in the air, isn't there? Yeah. And what those angels said to the shepherds, peace on earth and goodwill toward men seems to continue to resound even to our generation that in this time when we focus on God's gift to us in His Son, that, that there's just this, it's hard to explain it, but there's just a, a fresh spirit at this time of year, a spirit of giving. You know, in the work-a-day week that we live, which is earn wages, receive wages, Earn wages, receive wages. But Christmas time is kind of a suspended time from that, isn't it? Because it's about gifts, and gifts can't be earned. And so in expressing our love for one another and giving gifts with no strings attached, it brings about a certain atmosphere, a certain attitude of joy and excitement, thrill and wonderment. It all is attached to giving. Isn't that amazing? Today, and, and as I was pondering these things, I was thinking about generosity. That, And I've titled this message today, The Audacity of Generosity. Because generosity goes against everything that this world is trying to mold us into and squeeze us into and to teach us. And it goes against all of that. It goes against the grain of all of it, and because this is the nature of God. This is His flow to us. God so loved, as Pastor Brandon said, that He gave to us. And the measure of that gift is real. well, it's really immeasurable because it was the greatest gift that He had, His own Son. And how can you, how can you put a price on that except you were the price? You were. You were. Or the price of his son. Now, you know, whatever you think about yourself today, I want to just encourage you to elevate yourself to what God thinks about you. What do you think you're worth? Well, God thinks you're worth the death of his son. Now, I, I, I love people, but they ain't worth that to me. I don't give up my son for anyone. But God thought you were worth the death of his son. Which means that God is willing to give us anything. Romans 8.32 is a beautiful verse of scripture. It says that he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all of us. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? In other words, if he'll give you Jesus, there's nothing he'll hold back from you. Yeah. Amen. So we have this generous, loving God. And the scripture says, teaches us now that we have his nature as his children, 
as he is, so are we in this world. And so we need to grab a hold of this thing called generosity and let it, let it be something that flows out of us. The first thought I want to just get to you today is generosity says that you give more in value than you actually receive. So that tells us that generosity is not reactionary and it's not responding to something. It's flowing out of a person. All right. Just simply because that's your nature, that's who you are, that's what you do, no matter what kind of return, that's, that's really insignificant compared to the need or the willingness and the readiness to be generous, to give. The, the, the dictionary definition is readiness or liberality in giving. I like this one. Freedom from meanness or smallness of mind or character. It's a continual readiness to give without reservation, and without prejudice. And we see an interesting story in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Did I tell you to turn there? Okay, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse, verse 1. And uh, this is King David. He says, Is there still anyone who's left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And he's saying this because his best friend, Jonathan, is, is long gone now. As he and his father Saul have both died in battle. And so now David is, is enjoying a time of peace, God has given him victory over his enemies. And one day he remembers something. He remembers something that he had said to Jonathan, a promise that he had made. They had made covenant with one another and gave certain promises to each other. And Jonathan made David promise him to show him kindness all of his days, show him and his generation, his, his uh, family. And so David remembered that promise. And so he thought, is there someone, is there anyone alive still, any descendants of Saul and of, uh, that I can show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I made a promise to my friend. And verse 2 says, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Now, he's telling him this because I think Ziba is trying to tell David, you probably don't want to go any further with this quest for kindness because he's basically what's left, and the fact that he is lame in his feet, well, that told David, he was trying to send the message to David, and during that time that anybody that was crippled or lame or diseased or anything that were despised in the community. They were despised because they were seen as judged by God. And little Mephibosheth, who this is speaking of, was five years old when he became crippled because they were invaded, and the nurse of the home picked him up to carry him out to escape from their enemy, and she tripped or something. She dropped him, and the Scripture says that he became crippled in both of his feet. It was a terrible fall for the kid, and from that day forward, he was rendered crippled. And so Ziba, I think, is saying, now, David, you need to be careful when it comes to this despised person because this is not somebody who's necessarily suited for the king's table, not necessarily suited for the kind of favor that you're willing to show. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, this is verse 4, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. 
and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? There's a lot of ways that David could have shown kindness to Mephibosheth. This seems to be quite generous, doesn't it? He could have just sent him some monthly checks in the mail, some disability checks. And that would have been a kind gesture. But he went beyond that because David is a man with a generous heart. David is a man with a heart after God. God said that of him. And he gave Mephibosheth more than just a pension. He gave him a place, a place at the king's table. Not because Mephibosheth had done anything to deserve it, Mephibosheth didn't manipulate David into this. He didn't coerce him into this. He didn't beg him for it. He really did nothing. And he really has nothing to bring to David. Mephibosheth has nothing to bring and he has so much to take. And yet, David showed him kindness. Wow. The audacity of generosity that says that we give more in value than we receive because that's simply who we are. That's who God is in us. No strings attached. Just give. Just give. Alexander the Great tossed five gold coins to a beggar who sat by the road. His courtier said, Sir, why did you give that man Gold coins. Copper coins would have suited his need just fine. To which Alexander the Great said, Yes, copper coins would suit his need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. The next thing that generosity teaches us is that it says, Sowing seed is far more satisfying than reaping a harvest. I didn't think I'd get an amen there, but it's still a, still a good thought. Sowing seed is far more satisfying than reaping a harvest. Jesus said it like this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed means happy. You're happier in giving than you are in receiving. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful Well, I need to pay my tithes, the right thing to do. I need to give the church something. Oh. Give because it's the expression of our love. God loves cheerful people who want to give. People who are waiting, who can't wait to, to give and to, to, to show their love. Paul said that, that in teaching about the grace of giving, he says, I'm really testing the sincerity of your love. Ouch. But a generous man, according to Isaiah, devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. The generous man says, what is in it for them? What can I do for someone else? Not how can I serve me. What can I do to help someone else? I, I want to offer a challenge to you, even this week, to think generously, to devise generous things, to scheme generosity with total strangers, with co-workers, with your spouse, with your children, whatever it might be, and just take another step in that direction. I mean, you're all very generous people, and, I'm, and I appreciate that. I'm not coming down on anybody here. I just simply want to keep you in the mindset, especially in this time of year, to understand that we show the nature of God through generosity.
we really show his love and we show his goodness through how we treat others. It's not about them earning it. It's just about us being good people. Amen. We didn't earn, we didn't earn heaven. We didn't earn salvation. All we could do is receive it. God just freely gave it and gives it to us. Generosity says the most valuable gift that you can give is you. You really are. God made you so special, made you individually unique so that you would freely express yourself because in expressing who you are, you're expressing one more characteristic of God. So if you can't be authentic, then you rob others of that generous part of you. Of you just being you. Because you really can't be yourself if, you, if you're not living in the moment. You've got to live in the moment. You've got to live in the right now if you're really going to give of yourself. You can't truly give of yourself if you're on, always on your way to somewhere else. You can't really give of yourself if you're the one that's doing all the talking. Or never doing the talking. <laughs> Either way. But to, to, to really, you know, authenticity is well worth the price of vulnerability. Amen. Yeah, it's risky. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. You don't do it for those reasons. You don't do it, I pat your back. Okay, so later down the road, you pat me on the back. No, you do it just because that's who you are. Amen. Just continue to do good. And those who speak evil of your good will later on down the road find themselves quite ashamed. Amen. I think about what Jesus was accomplishing for us in this generous salvation that as he was on that cross and generously pouring out his blood, all of it, generously offering up his body. One of the first things that he helped us in was forgiveness. One of, that's, that's what we had a need for. We needed to be forgiven. Blessed is the man whose lawless deeds are forgiven, David said, whose, whose sins are remembered no more. That's one thing we needed. And Jesus answered that as he was there on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Another thing that we had need of was salvation, and yet he showed God's generosity, his generous heart, his grace, when just the, the, the thief that hung next to him simply said, Lord, remember me. It was that simple. And Jesus said, I'll take you. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. This is our generous God. There's reconciliation there. Wow. That when he said the words, the awful, awful words, that what he must have been experiencing, the agony of, of, of the, the pain of the nails and the whipping and and. and and just hanging on that cross was bad enough, but none of that could compare to the agony of his father forsaking him. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in so doing that, he restored our relationship with God. This Jesus suspended between heaven and earth. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He reached down with one hand in the Spirit and took the hand of the offending sinner. And with his other hand, he reached up, 
and took the hand of the offended God. And he brought those together again. Reconciling God. Reconciling the whole world unto himself. Jesus said, greater love is no man than this, and one would lay down his life for his friends. And it doesn't just mean that you would die for someone. That's obviously the most generous thing you could give. But it means that you're willing to give your whole life for others, your love and your time and your friendship. There's nothing like just being authentic and genuine. That's really what we want from one another. And there's nothing more frustrating to talking to someone who is disingenuous. Then the last thought here is generosity says to receive from someone is to appreciate and to value them. It's not just about giving. It's part of it, but it's also about receiving. And by receiving from others, you know, we, we kind of play this game when it comes to receiving from one another. I don't know about you, but I've played it. Someone wants to bless me. No, 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 no. Why is that our first response? No, 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 you don't have to do that. But to really show appreciation for them is to receive it with thanksgiving, right? I mean, if somebody compliments you, say thank you. There's a good response. That's a way to just say thank you. Like the old, you know, the, the preacher was standing at the back of the church like we do on Sundays and was greeting people as they were leaving and the old woman she walked up to him and she said, Pastor, that was a great message today. He said, oh, no, no, no. That's all the Holy Spirit. She said, well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> Just say thank you. The story of a little lady, a little old widow, the Scripture says, that Jesus was sitting, watching what people were putting in the offering. And she came by. And the rich, it says, they gave out of their abundance, and she gave two coins. These coins are very significant because they're all the money that she had, and she put them in the treasury, and she was walking out, and Jesus watched her walk out of the building, and he turned to his disciples and said, she gave more than everybody. She gave because she gave everything. She had a heart that was not willing to hold on to anything. No money mattered as much as the love to give. The love to give. And he watched her walk out and he readily received her gift. Think about it. He readily received her gift. In this day and age, we might not let her give. We want to help her all of a sudden. We want to say, no, 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 we don't. Granny, come on, two cents, keep your two cents. Matter of fact, here's some extra. Take some of this. We want to come to her rescue. But Jesus let her walk out completely broke. Happily receiving her gift. Because he knows, as Pastor Brandon was talking about, there is a law. There is a law that when you give, you will receive. It's that simple. He knew that the law was going to work. He knew she was going to be just fine. As a matter of fact, she gave her way into more. That's, 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 that's generosity, but, but being willing to receive from others and say, thank you for that. All right, that says something that you appreciate and you value what they're willing to give. 
Amen. That's, that's the heart of the generous. Even Jesus himself received generosity. He received gifts. He didn't have any problem doing that. Generosity, the theme of generosity is to give without remembering and to receive without forgetting. The generous soul will be made rich, Proverbs eleven twenty five says, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Hallelujah. Can we go to one more scripture? All right, Luke chapter 7. One more place where we see Jesus receiving a gift from someone. In verse 40, we're going to look at that. Jesus has been invited to this Pharisee's house. We don't really know why. The scripture doesn't say what his intentions were having him. Chances are the intentions were not good. They're always trying to trap Jesus in his words and trying to, trying to get him to stumble. He never did. He was never shaken up by these guys. Every time he opened his mouth, they all fell ashamed. But here this man has him come into his house, and while they're there, he's even brought his disciples there, and they're all having dinner. And the door opens up, and this woman walks into the house and she's not just an, you know, your everyday woman. She's a lady of the night. She has a reputation that precedes her. It's not a good, wholesome reputation either. And she walks into this house in her, with this box, this box of costly perfume. And she looks around the room and she sees Jesus and she runs to him and she kneels down at his feet and she breaks that alabaster box and she pours that costly perfume all over his feet and she begins to weep and she cries and cries and the scripture says that she, her tears fell upon his feet and she wiped his feet with her hair and she kissed and kissed and kissed and kissed his feet. What? Awkward! That's all that is. These guys are all sitting around going, what in the world is this? And he just let it happen. He's just receiving the gift. Receiving her worship. And even they were all kind of mumbling in amongst themselves. And Simon says, if this man were a true prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is. Who is doing this to him. And then Jesus said in verse 40, let's bring that up. Jesus answered said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed $500 and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. So that's a pretty simple little illustration, isn't it? All right. Whoever was forgiven more is obviously going to love more. Then, then, he, then he says something interesting. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Simon says, Yeah, I noticed. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. Yeah, I really noticed that. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. And Judah said, I noticed that because that oil could have been used to feed the poor and instead of be wasted upon your feet. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. 
Why would he say that? Why would he give an illustration, but then, think about the illustration. The illustration was they got forgiven and then they loved. Is it not? Is that true? You're forgiven your debt of $50. You're forgiven your debt of $500. Which one then is going to love him more? The one who was forgiven. But he says here, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she loved first. Wow. That sounds like faith in action to me. This woman has no, no reason to believe that she's going to receive forgiveness. Not after the kind of lifestyle she lives. How, what kind of audacity does she have to walk in here to bust open this door and, 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 and awkwardize this party with her lavish giving and her incessant kissing and make everybody feel weird Why, why does she think she has a right to that? I don't know if she even felt like she had a right to it. Except she had to have heard reports. She had to have heard reports about this man who sets the captives free. Who just heals people. Doesn't tell them, oh, you need to get right before I touch you and heal you. He just sets them free. He heals them. He raises the dead. He cleanses the lepers. He, he, he sets the cap. He, he opens the blind eyes. He opens the deaf ears. And, and he forgives people. This guy goes around telling people that their sins are forgiven. So she thought something about this man is different than any other man that I have ever been with. Because all the other men... I earn love. But with him, he's freely giving it. So in response to the reports that she heard, not because she knew him, she had simply heard about him. And with a heart full of faith, she went in there and generously gave this costly perfume laid out her whole reputation right there before him. Wept at his feet, kissed his feet. And Jesus said, she's forgiven. Now look at this. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Next, and those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? In verse 50, then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Good move. Because God cannot and will not ever ignore somebody who believes in Him. And her generous worship was her heart crying out, Thank you for that which I am about to receive. <laughs> Hallelujah. Generosity, it's audacious. It says you give more in value than you receive. It says sowing seed is far more satisfying than reaping a harvest. Generosity says the most valuable gift that you can give is you. And generosity says to receive from someone is to appreciate them and value them. Can we bow our heads for just a moment? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. 
For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.